Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other tasks that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. All right, Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove. It's always game day in Buffalo. The depth chart is out. Now, do I have to say this? Because it feels like I do after I tweeted it. The depth chart is fluid, and you do not have to adhere to it. It's not like there's a rule that says whoever you have as the starting right tackle or tight end has to be the first person on the field. The team can actually put whoever they want out there. In fact, I went back and looked last week, last year, Matt, um, Vernon Butler was actually listed as, I'm sorry, Mario Addison was it was listed as the, um, as a, as a starter, but Vernon Butler started the, started the game against the Steelers. My point is they can actually roll anybody they want out there. No matter what the depth chart says, it's really more of a guide. I think the two first things that I noticed with the depth chart, understanding that it is just a guide, were that Spencer Brown was listed as the starting right tackle ahead of Questenberry. And I think I always assumed that Spencer Brown would get the starting job, but it was a little bit of a slow summer for him. He had to ease his way back into it. And Questenberry, when he played, looked good. I think Spencer Brown deserves to be the starting right tackle of this team, but I don't know if his leash is as long as maybe we thought it was going into the summer. And then the second one was Kyrie Elam being the second cornerback, Dane Jackson, Kyrie Elam. I think those are going to be the guys that are on the field Thursday night when they kick things off. I think Christian Benford will probably get some run. I think he's going to get some snacks, snaps and he'll be active. Do you think they'll rotate? Like this team has done this before. They've rotated Levi Wallace with um uh, uh, Josh Norman, you know, they, they did that before. Um, Kevin Johnson was, he were here. He was here. It was every series, every two series. You think that'll be the case? I think it depends how the game goes. I think if Elam gets off to a good start, or if Dane Jackson gets off to a good start and kind of tear in his control. It's one of those things like you're going to get beat at times against the Rams. Like they have way too many weapons that you're not going to shut them down. But if you can limit the explosive plays, then I think they'll probably stick with their group that they start with for at least a nice chunk of the first half. Maybe if they want to completely give them a different look, then they'll roll out Benford. But I think it would be hard to take a rookie first round pick off of the field if he wasn't struggling or if he wasn't making mistakes, because in a perfect world, you want this guy getting these reps. You want this guy to be your cornerback too, across from Tredavious White when he's ready to go. So I think there will be a rotation, but I also think they're really going to value Elam getting those reps because there's only so much you can like imitate in a preseason game or in a practice. Do you read anything into Zach Moss being the number two listed running back over James Cook? I'll give you my thought on this one first, and then you tell me what you think. I think it's a nod to Zach and the, just the being the three-year veteran, the work he's put in. And honestly, Matt, I think he is actually the primary backup to Devin Singletary, whereas 
James Cook right now is more of a pass-catching back and a specialty situation back, but he's going to play. Somebody asked us, and we'll answer some more questions later, what running backs do we think are active on game day? And I know last year, a lot of the time, it was three, being two running backs who are primarily used on offense, and then Taiwan Jones. I don't think it's out of the question for four running backs to be active in this game. I think Singletary, Cook, and Taiwan Jones are a lock. But like you said, I do think Moss is like the air quote backup running back. He's the goal line back. He's the pass pro back in a lot of ways. So I think he's, I think there's a chance that all four of them are active. It's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. The other one we kept getting questions on. So I want to clarify something. Terrell Bernard is listed as a starter. He is listed as a strong side linebacker starter, but I want everybody to, when you look at the depth chart, count how many starters there are. There's 12. They don't normally use a strong side linebacker. What this is saying is if we go to that package, he will be the guy in that spot. AJ Klein was that guy last year. Yeah, the Bills' base defense has, instead of a linebacker, has Taron Johnson because he's basically a hybrid of a safety and a linebacker and a corner. He does a little bit of everything. So that's why he's so valuable. So I think that that's not necessarily a surprise, but I think it does basically show how much they value Terrell Bernard in that I think he's going to see the field. I don't know how often he's going to see the field because they're in that base defense kind of a lot, but I think if they want to get heavy, maybe they throw him out there. We've talked about this in the past. Maybe you use Saran Neal for that, but I think they like what Bernard did in the offseason, and they uh, they trust him in that role. All right. The other one is Khalil Shakir is going to be the number one punt returner, I think. I, I think we've seen this coming for a few weeks. Concern there, bright lights, first game, Thursday night, national TV, Super Bowl champs, rookie from a small school. Uh, can- Smaller school. No disrespect to Boise State. Not concerned. I have never felt like something bad was going to happen watching him catch a punt. He, it's almost like Micah Hyde a little bit. Like I've never been like, uh oh, that one looks like it could cause a problem or anything. I think he's pretty shorthanded. I think they trust him, and I think honestly, this is their way of trying to get him on the field because they know he's a playmaker. They know he can be a difference maker, knowing that he probably won't get as many offensive snaps as he will down the road because they've got some veterans in front of him right now. So, not a surprise. I like how they have the separation of McKenzie being the kick returner and Shakir being the punt returner because I think McKenzie is still explosive. At times, his issues last year were on punts, not on kick returns. And I know everybody's like knocking on wood right now, like don't jinx it, don't jinx it. I think with a kick return, you probably want a little bit more chance of the explosive big return, and maybe there isn't as much risk involved. You've got a little bit more time to catch it, make sure that you're looking in front of you, seeing what's happening. So uh, that doesn't surprise me. I think that's probably what they should do. Just notable, the other punt returner behind Shakir is actually listed as Jamison Crowder. But again, I'll go back to, if McKenzie can't go, maybe you elevate Tavon Austin. He becomes an option, at least, at that spot. James Cook is the listed kick returner behind Isaiah McKenzie. And one other notable note, obviously, the punter, because the Bills did move on from Matt Ariza. They did sign Sam Martin. There's going to be a quick onboarding process here. I talked with Reed Ferguson, and Reed said, and not surprising, it's not the punting, it's the holding operation. We talk so much about holding, Matt, that he said, where Tyler likes it, or he would say T-Bass, where T-Bass likes it, how quick he likes it, all the, the timing of all that that goes in. So, But I would say you could do a lot worse than Sam Martin when it comes to getting a punter in here on short notice. Well, that's the thing. It's not, they Brandon Bean made it very clear, like, this isn't the 20 bills anymore like we needed to go out and get somebody that we know we can throw into the mix right away and there's not going to be a major step back we he said it without saying it they don't have time to let somebody try and figure it out like this is a team that's built to try and contend for a super bowl and the least the last thing you can do is be worried about your punter in those situations so it it makes sense i thought it was probably going into this between kern and martin and they went with martin whatever so 
let's take a look at, um, well, we already take a look at the depth chart. Let's take some questions. We had some questions that came in. Matt tweeted it out. And by the way, if you're not following us on Twitter, Matt, make sure you do that. It's at Matt underscore Bove. It's at Sal Sports. You can always tweet us some questions when we get to our question segment of the pod, which is right now. 